rely on delivery apps to get their food to customers during the pandemic. Ewan Lowther at the Red Cow Restaurant in Minneapolis says the fees are never-ending. Not only there's a delivery fee, there's a processing fee, there's a dispatch fee. Well, I don't know, there's a, it seems like there's a new fee every day. Grubhub charges restaurants as much as 30%. Businesses have begun reopening in Wisconsin after the state Supreme Court struck down Governor Evers' extension of stay-at-home orders. The state's high court ruled for Republicans in a challenge to a month-long extension issued by the governor's health secretary, Andrea Palm, arguing that she exceeded her authority in extending the order. Governor Evers had a bitter reaction to the ruling. Apparently, uh, with the floor that uh, made this decision, uh, facts don't matter, the law doesn't matter, precedent doesn't matter. The 4-3 ruling by the Wisconsin Supreme Court means the state is essentially reopened ahead of the May 26 expiration date of the order. Bill Raycock, CBS News. Dr. Michael Ryan with the World Health Organization's Emergencies Program says the coronavirus may never disappear, but he says... We do have one great hope. If we do find a highly effective vaccine that we can distribute to everyone who needs it in the world, we may have a shot at eliminating this virus. A loss for people who've lost loved ones to the coronavirus in long-term care facilities. The nursing home lobby has won legal provisions that make it difficult for families to sue. A beloved West Coast tradition is falling victim to the COVID-19 crisis. It has hosted numerous memorable events. Yeah! In 1964, it's where the Beatles made their first appearance in Los Angeles. And of course, there have been many evenings of classical music. But this summer and fall, the famous Hollywood Bowl will be dark. It's the first time in the Bowl's 98-year history that it's been shut down. The headline in today's LA Times, Goodbye Summer. Steve Futterman, CBS News, Los Angeles. Dow futures are down 315. This is CBS News. CBS News Radio is your home for breaking news. With our team of reporters around the country and the world, we give you the coverage you can trust. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company presents... What would you like today? Yes, I'd like to tell you that Liberty Mutual customizes your car insurance so you only pay for what you need. This is Burger Palace. Do you want any food? Yes, uh, one palace party meal. No, Limu, they won't put insects on a burger. No, you can't talk to the manager. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. This moment of gratitude is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage and the Rock family of companies. We really want to thank my wife's cousin Marie who works so hard as a nurse saving others. And those who leave their homes to keep us safe in ours, thank you. Yeah, you guys are awesome. We're sending all our love, gratitude, and hope your way. Thank you. If you'd like to thank America's frontline and essential workers, visit everyoneknowsahero.com. Rocket Loans LLC, NMLS number 3030, license of 50 states. Each legal entity that identifies themselves as part of the Rock family of companies are separate legal entities with their own governance and management structures. The space agency has big post-pandemic plans. NASA has an ambitious mission on the books. In September of 2022, the agency hopes to slam a spacecraft into an asteroid with the equivalent energy of three tons of TNT. The DART, or Double Asteroid Redirection Test, is designed to nudge the asteroid into an alternate orbit, basically to see if we can do it, which could be a necessary skill in the event an asteroid is discovered to be on a collision course with Earth. The mission bonus for those of us on Earth will be a spectacular meteor shower caused by debris from the DART's impact with the space rock. 
Jim Shenevy, CBS News. Last week, their song played in the background as a mask-less President Trump visited Honeywell's mask-making operation. <laughs> this week, Guns N' Roses takes a poke at the president with a new T-shirt. It reads, Live and Let Die with COVID-45. Proceeds go to help coronavirus relief. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. Balance of nature's fruits and veggies in a capsule. Changing the world one life at a time. I do have energy, and it's not like energy that is like a caffeine-high energy. But in terms of just having the vitality to go through the day, and, and there are times when I just notice that, you know what, I'm actually not tired. This is not uh, tiring me. So I feel like my energy level is good and better than it was in times past. So I think that's a documented fact. Don't wait to see what getting over 10 servings of whole fruits and vegetables every day can do for you. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Start your journey to better health today by calling 1-800-2468-751 or by going to balanceofnature.com. Again, that's balanceofnature.com. And make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code FRUITS. I'm Dr. Amy Acton, Director of the Ohio Department of Health. I know you have a lot of questions about coronavirus, so please call our hotline. The number is 833-4-ASK-ODH. Furnished by the Ohio Department of Health and the OAB. Our community is better together. Integrate Athens, the new division of the Athens County Board of Developmental Disabilities, partners with other local organizations, groups, and people to help our community come together. The Integrate Athens team works with schools, civic groups, and communities in Athens County, helping create friends, allies, and neighbor connections. Check out Integrate Athens on Facebook for events and activities that you can be a part of. Athens County Board of Developmental Disabilities, Integrate Athens, helping Athens County become a more inclusive place to live, work, and have fun. Southeast Ohio seniors and people of all ages, disabilities, and income levels can turn to Buckeye Hills Regional Council for information on meals, essential supplies, and a full range of long-term care services. You can reach us safely by phone to get answers to your questions and get connected to the community resources and services that can best meet your needs. Call Buckeye Hills Regional Council today at 1-800-331-2644. That's one 800 331-2644. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners. Be sure to follow Power 105 and 970 WATH on Instagram for contests, upcoming events, and a whole lot more fun stuff. Search Power 105 underscore 97 WATH on Instagram to get in on the action. In our 70th year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH FM. The temperatures are nice, but it's kind of gloomy out there, and we're going to get some rain. All right, Scott, I've got a question for you. Yes, sir. Do you know what mycology is? I do not. 
By the end of this program, you will. I'm going to guess it has something to do with mushrooms. Well, you... You took away my punchline. Oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is the party line, and we're going to talk about mycology today. I'll give you back your punchline. And joining us live this morning uh, from another part of our state is uh, Walter Sturgeon. Good morning. Good morning to you. Welcome. And, um, you know, um, I lived um, just north of Columbus, grew up in Worthington. And um, it's all built up now, but when I was growing up, it was kind of countryside. And um, we had fields with cows or cattle, I should say, um, horses and things like that around us. And uh, I would roam around and I'd see mushrooms or, or you know what I mean, they, at least they looked like mushrooms. They probably were. They probably were. And my mom always said, always, don't touch them. Don't ever touch them. You know, there are good ones and there are bad ones. And, and uh, you know, how, how do you know the difference? So I think by the end of this program today, I'm, I'll have a lot more knowledge. So, Walt, uh, we're, we're, uh, let's do a little bio stuff. Where are you from? Where were you raised? I was raised in Salem, Ohio, which is in northeast Ohio. Right. And I live in East Palestine, which is about... 15 miles from Salem. Sure. So pretty close to where you uh, were hatched, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and and uh, tell me about your parents' backgrounds. Uh, my father was a shop worker, and my mother a homemaker, mm-hmm. and my father was an outdoor person, did a lot of hunting and some fishing, and mushroom hunting as well. Yeah, really? Huh. A little bit. And so, at what age did this start to catch your eye? Well, it's kind of hard to answer that. I mean, I caught my eye as a, probably a 10-year-old or younger because right. I was in the woods with my father. But it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I said to myself as I was walking through the woods and seeing all these colored mushrooms, different forms and so forth, that I know some of them are edible. I think I'll learn about those. And that kind of got me started. Well, now, career-wise, is this what you focused on, or or were you in another field, and this is just a, a special interest for you? Yeah, I was a social worker by profession. Okay. And I got into this, as I say, as a as kind of an interesting circumstances that came together. I got interested in the, the mushrooms. I bought a European table, I call it a table book, with pretty pictures in it, and I wasn't able to identify anything that I collected. So, but then I got a good book for Christmas from my wife, and simultaneously uh, we got a whole earth catalog uh, from friends, and they had uh, the North American Mycological Association uh, information in there, so I joined that organization, and uh, they got back to me and said, well, there's an Ohio Mushroom Society, you want to join that? And I did, and the leader of that group, uh, Richard Grimm, who's no longer with us, but Richard uh, took me under his wing and was a lot of uh, a lot of help to me. And also, I happened to have access to a really good uh, mushroom or mycological library at Youngstown State University. They had books in all languages about mushrooms. 
so I was able to access those. Well, the the fact is now after uh, I don't know how many years, uh, you are uh, considered a, a, a real authority in this area, and you've even written several books, and, and um, the most recent one um, was actually published here by Ohio University's Press, right? That's right, Appalachian Mushrooms, a field guide. And um, this has been out, what, about a year and a half or so, right? That's about right. And, and so, you know, now, what's the popularity of a mushroom book? <laughs> well, I think, you know, mushrooms in general are, are interesting to people. Uh, I do a fair amount of uh, speaking, and uh, it's very unusual, and it's not because of me. It's because of mushrooms. I get a crowd. Yeah, yeah. There, there's, a, there's an interest there. And now with people having extra time on their hands, uh, there's a lot of uh, folks out foraging for mushrooms. Really? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that has not happened in my neighborhood, but uh, at least that I know of. Um, but everybody's outside, so they must be looking around, right? Right. And it's just a matter of them being in the parks or crowded and so forth. Sure. Well, well, maybe not everybody's mushroom hunting, but uh, certainly I've noticed a difference in the population of in the woods. So this 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 most recent book that you wrote, Appalachian Mushrooms. Okay, so uh, Athens is in Appalachia. Um, you know, so is uh, a whole bunch of well, thirteen states have parts uh, or all are Appalachia, right? Right. Well, you can do you can define it uh, sociologically which takes it all the way up to Akron in Ohio, or you can do it um, based on the mountain culture or the foothills of the mountains, which, which is where, you know, I'm in the foothills of the mountains in Columbiana County, and a- Athens certainly is. And you don't have to go more than 100 miles, and you're really in the mountains in Pennsylvania and so forth. Mm-hmm. So uh, do, do mushrooms... Well, let, let's back up a notch. Mushrooms are fungi, right? That's correct. And um, fungus, uh, you know, there's, I I guess there's, when we think of it on our body, that's an awful thought. But um, (laughs) when we, uh, in other circumstances, it's helpful, right? Well, you know, uh, uh, fungi are important. Uh, They range from microscopic organisms all the way up to great big mushrooms. But a lot of the smaller ones, you know, things like yeasts, uh, you wouldn't have bread, you wouldn't have cheese, you wouldn't have a, a cold bottle of beer, you wouldn't have any of that without fungi uh, because they're part of the, the process of making those things. I saw a note uh, somewhere in thinking about this program or researching, that is. Um, so, you know, we've been doing a lot of planning, my wife and I, it's that time of year when you get the uh, all the flower beds in great shape. You know what I mean. Yes. And um, so we we of course each year purchase a few that are not perennial types, and so you transplant them and everything. And so this this quote said, if you take a teaspoon of dirt, there are like twelve thousand fungi. Uh, <laughs> You know what? Help me out with this. Spores, probably, is Sp- what they're okay. referring to. Spores, which are the in just roughly a, equivalent to a seed. A teaspoon of 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 dirt. 
I don't know if that's accurate or not. It might be. It was something like that. Anyway, the point is, even if there were 100, that would be amazing to me. Um, so what are spores? Uh, they're the rum-celled equivalent, as I say, roughly equivalent to a seed. Um, they land in an appropriate spot. They're microscopic. Mm-hmm. They land in an in appropriate spot. They germinate and for, form a, a chain of cells, with one separating and then another and then another until you get a little string. And they are actual sexual creatures, so they need to meet another string, and they'll merge, and who knows how many strings will merge, and that's the beginning of the organism that eventually uh, will produce a mushroom. I have a terrible thought just a moment ago that spores are horny, I guess. But <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll let that one pass. The function of a mushroom, the actual mushroom that you throw in your frying pan, yeah. what nature's function of that mushroom is strictly to reproduce the species. It's just, that's what it's out there for. How can they erupt so fast? I mean... Well, a lot of the formation is in the ground or in the log or wherever. It's already there forming a baby mushroom and then um, add water and it basically expands and comes up, uh, not in five minutes, but, you know, overnight, two nights, you know, suddenly where you didn't notice it, it gets big enough to notice. Well, I, I think as a kid, I remember my dad saying, that wasn't there yesterday. Yeah, right. You know, and, and yet here it is sizable. Yeah, well, it's there. It's just smaller and not noticeable. Yeah. So, um, okay, let's talk about, I guess, let's, let's start with uh, what is the makeup of mushrooms? First of all, there's a variety of types, right? There are many, many types. I estimate between, uh, I would guess, probably just mushrooms now. I'm not talking fungi. There's millions of those. But mushrooms specifically, probably 3,000 in Ohio. 3,000 different types. Now, that's an estimate. It, you know, the actual count is probably closer to 2,000. But there's a lot of mushrooms that don't have scientific descriptions and names. And a lot of things that look a lot the same we're finding out with DNA studies that what looks like one species might be four. So. Now, um, my, my wife is not fond of mushrooms. I love them. Now, um, it makes for interesting conversations at home once in a while. Now, what, what would, but on the other hand, I would never pick one up off of my fire logs or anything, you know, um, I, because I don't know what I'm doing. Um, on the other hand, at the grocery store, of course, those are great. Now, how, how does one know what they're dealing with? Well, it's like any other part of nature. You have to learn each individual mushroom, if you will. Uh, uh, learn about it with a field guide or with a computer or whatever you're using. And uh, historically, you go back far enough, it's been trial and error to find out which ones are edible and which ones aren't. <laughs> and by error, you mean someone not feeling so good. Right, or worse than that, and their spouse would be the only one left to talk about it. Oh, dear. But that's, that's you know, neither here nor there. Right now, you get a good field guide. Uh, you get join a mushroom club like the Ohio Mushroom Society, uh, where you can get reinforcement from people about, yes, it's edible, this is what looks like it, maybe at an event, we call them forays, you can pick up a mushroom that's described in the book as edible and delicious, but looks like such and such. Well, if you don't have such and such, 
how do you know? Well, then if you're at an event like this, there's such and such, and you've got people to say, look, these are the differences. And it comes obvious when you can see the two together. Really? It's not so obvious if you're just reading in a book and you're thinking about dinner, and it says, really wonderful, but, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, it's very much a, a question at that point, and it makes you not want to eat something. And, and even the bad one can be a fatal mistake. Well, I, I see there's a lot of, di- like, the, let's see, mushroom ability, uh, edibility categories. Poisonous, edible, deadly poisonous, gourmet, and so on and so forth. Those are kind of my categories, but, okay. yes, the, there's this, uh, very few mushrooms are deadly poisonous. And uh-huh. Very few mushrooms are uh, consider what I consider gourmet mushrooms that are far better than anything you can buy in the store. Uh, for instance, the morel mushroom is probably top-shelf mushroom. Um, I might mention that, uh, talking about edibility, that uh, in a wild mushroom it means cooked because there are a lot of mushrooms that are edible and thoroughly cooked that are not edible when you eat them raw. Really? And the, and the morel is a good example of that. So, I mean, now, it doesn't mean that somebody uh, may not eat a raw one and get away with it, but it's caused problems. Okay, I have actually purchased at the grocery store mushrooms and eaten them before they were cooked. Um, not in mass, but I mean some. Yeah, those are okay. okay they are, okay. Well, I got I worried. Like, I don't like them that way. I like them cooked, but that's me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're, uh, uh, most of the ones in the store, almost all of them probably can be raw. Now, I, I, you know, it strikes me, how do they get those? Uh, so there must be some sort of uh, barns or, or growing facilities. Yes, there are a lot of places that are growing mushrooms. It's a pretty big big industry and at least a big cottage industry. Yeah. And uh, there are some in Ohio. I'm not, I'm not really up on cultivation, which is what that means, but things like oyster mushrooms are easy to grow. Now, does your wife like mushrooms? Yes. Good. That's fortunate. Well, but again, you've got, you know, if you need to talk to your wife and tell her that they don't all taste the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a big difference. There are mushrooms that are hotter than the hottest cayenne pepper, and there are mushrooms that are almost sweet, and there's mushrooms that are uh, bitter, and mushrooms that are bland, and mushrooms that have a nice flavor, uh, a lot of different textures. Uh, it's diverse, very diverse. Now, in America, uh, many people, we have English roots, and the English are what we call microphobic. They have a phobia of fungi. And, and, and again, things like growing up and having your parents say, don't touch that. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. It adds to the phobia. And also, uh, some people have a little problem with the fact that mushrooms are decomposers. They're the recyclers in nature. In other words, they're rotting things. So uh, mm-hmm. that has another, you know, another, adds another level to why people are, some people are uh, hesitant to think about eating a mushroom. Folks, let me just mention, it's pouring here on Columbus Road right now, so uh, be cautious out there. Um, our guest this morning is Walt Sturgeon. Walt has uh, written several books on uh, mycology, okay? Uh, he is a mycologist. And um, but basically, we're talking about mushrooms or spores or fungus, right? And, and um, um, the, the, his most recent book uh, is called um, Mushroom, uh, Appalachian Mushrooms, right? Right. And uh, is published by the Ohio University Press. Uh, 
We've had, uh, let's see, you've had another book that Ohio State's Press uh, published, too, and stuff like that. Um, so you are, um, as I understand it, you go all around the country and people go, you know, they bow to you and say, you are Mr. Mushroom. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. But, okay. <laughs> but I, I do across the country, and I do some lecturing, and I yeah. attend. There are many mushroom organizations, clubs, and uh, they hold events, and sometimes groups of them get together and hold big events where 200, 300 people might attend, and it goes for three or four days. And I sometimes go to those and help with the identification of the mushrooms that people collect, and do also do uh, educational talks. Do you grow mushrooms on purpose yourself? I do not. I okay. am not a cultivator. My wife has the green thumb. I don't have a mushroom thumb, I guess. So yeah. I, it's never fascinated me. Like I'm more of a uh, Easter egg hunt. Go out there and what's over the next hill? What am I going to find that's uh -huh. new and interesting? As opposed to uh, growing just for eating. Now I, 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 I hate to get personal, but Trish, your wife. And, and you've got two grown children, and you've got some grandchildren and stuff like that. Is there anybody in your family that doesn't like a mushroom? Well, my son. Okay. <laughs> well, but except for morels, he, he doesn't consider those mushrooms. Uh, he doesn't care for them. I don't know about the grandkids. I don't think they're, they're thrilled about them. Okay. Uh, my daughter likes them. So. Well, so um, if you had to name another hobby, what would you name? A hobby uh, or an interest oh uh, natural history okay I was just curious so okay fungus what what does fungus do okay there, there's several things fungi do one is uh, they're na nature's recyclers along with the bacteria if a tree grows in the forest it takes all the goodies out of the soil that it needs and eventually they get blows over, gets struck by lightning, mm -hmm. and falls down, that tree would lay there forever if it weren't for fungi. And not only that, but the fungi recycle it and put the, uh, the goodies from the tree back into the mineral soil, creating rich earth. That's one thing they do. Another thing that most people have no idea that they do is very important is that many uh, tree species are dependent on mushrooms as a partner. Under the ground, what looks like cobwebs or strings, is the actual organism of the mushroom. We call that mycelium. And that cobwebby, stringy stuff wraps itself around the roots of trees, and there's a mutual sharing of things going back and forth, so much they're, in some cases, codependent. You would not have a mushroom of a certain kind if you did not have a tree, and vice versa. The tree would certainly not be healthy and happy without that mushroom. So it's a complex uh, interaction of organisms, and it goes on all the time, uh, but especially uh, producing mushrooms is when, in the summer when the trees are, uh, when they're making food, uh, which mushrooms can't do, and mushrooms depend on, on the tree for part of their food. So that's important. Uh, they're recyclers, they're symbionts, and, and they also provide a food source for everything from white-tailed deer to box turtles and all kinds of insects and other critters, squirrels, and so forth. Now, how do they know which ones are right? That's a good question. <laughs> uh, I know that uh, there have been studies where they've fed a uh, toxic mushroom to an opossum, and opossum ate it and got sick, So, which wasn't very nice of the people doing the study. Right. But uh, I, I don't know. Just 
just history of, of I guess, the same way the uh, instincts tell them to do certain things. I'm not sure how they figure that all out. Well, um, so <coughs> you said the mushrooms and their their parts you can't see necessarily uh, underground and so on. Uh, benefit eat other species of, of vegetation and so on. That's right. What are some of the other roles that they play in the environment? Well, as I, as I said, they are also a, uh, a food source for all kinds of critters. Mm -hmm. They, uh, um, uh, can't think right off the top here. If, if you, if you, uh, how do you destroy fungus? Good question. I get I get calls all the time about, you know, I've got mushrooms in the yard and I've got grandkids and I've got dogs and how do I get rid of them? And there are fungicides, but uh, to get rid of them really, uh, for example, if you have a mushroom that's associating with your tree and it happens to be a poisonous mushroom, uh, picking the mushroom before someone gets it is one way to do it, but to actually get rid of the mushroom, you have to cut the tree down. The whole <laughs> a major, thing? A major thing, yes, yeah. because that, that mushroom is absolutely dependent on that tree. And uh, that does not true for all kinds, but that's just one example of uh, how not easy it, it is not easy to take care of uh, getting rid of mushrooms. Of course, in my perspective, why do you want to get rid of them? You know? right. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the other way around. Well, I sure. encourage them. Now, oh, I, yeah. I have a stack of uh, firewood, right? Right. Uh, that, but it's not like something you go and buy and it's split and all of that. It's It's stuff from my trees that I've pruned and things like that. So... Um, these, I would say the largest is four inches in diameter. Now, um, it's been around for a long time. I never get to the bottom of it. We have little outdoor campfires periodically and, uh, sit around a fire ring. You know what I mean? So, um, but periodically I will see, well, first of all, uh, there's logs that I've put on there that were heavy and solid. And now when I get to them, they're light and, um, I guess, rotted. Yeah. And um, they burn, they still burn okay. But, um, uh, but what I'm getting at is periodically I have what appears to be a mushroom grow on those things. So, your thoughts? Oh. Well, there could be many, many mushrooms growing on those. Well, the mushrooms have a, uh, one mushroom might be uh, really into cellulose. That's what it's eating. Okay. And another mushroom might be into eating lignin. And there may be multiple well, mushrooms lignin over those things. Lignin, what is that? Uh, just the stuff that holds, holds wood together. Okay. Along with cellulose. That's, it is wood. <laughs> Yeah. And so anyhow, mushrooms are competitive with each species competing against the other, uh, to, to, again, to establish a food source, enjoy the food source, and eventually reproduce and produce those mushrooms you see on the wood. So when we see a farmer with this huge tractor pulling some huge device behind him working on, I don't know, 20 rows at a time of something, you've seen them as you drive about, um... Some sometimes they're treating stuff with herbicides or right, pesticides right. or things like that. They're crops, so they 
they're only getting the most of what they want, I guess. Um, what's that do to, can we say spores? Well, you can say what it does to the actual organism. The, uh, uh, now, again, not so much in a farmer's field, but if uh, uh, I tell people, you know, if you're gathering mushrooms, go to a weedy cemetery, don't go to a golf course where they've been putting broadleaf weed killer down mm-hmm. because the underground part of the mushroom is going to absorb that and maybe make the mushrooms maybe not make you sick, but certainly not good for you. So you should be getting a lot of toxin into your system. So, yeah, there's a concern that mushrooms are, I always say mushrooms are what they eat. Uh, that's not entirely true, but but it's close enough. Now, in, in your book, I'm jumping around, obviously, in, in your books even, um, have you included uh, personal favorite recipes? No, I have not. I am... Shame uh, on you. Well, to be honest with you, eating mushrooms is not my thing particularly. Really? Uh, that's how I got into it. You know, that's where my interest started. But my interest is much more uh, relationships, uh, uh, the roles they play in nature, the beauty, the color, the form. Uh, there's so many mushrooms that are spectacular and you know just as brilliant or more so than wildflowers. They just have to be uh, there at the right time to see them. Growing up, my soup of choice. My mom, went, if she said, "What you, you want some soup today?" and I'd say, "Sure." And which? What do you want? And I'd say mushroom. And it's, uh, what, Campbell's or something out of sure. a can. Right. Um, but I've learned over the years, of course, that, that mushrooms are so much more than that. And um, golly, uh, I'm, I'm disappointed that you don't have a few choice recipes in your book. Well, I, you know, I do. I do. Uh, <laughs> again, it depends on the species of mushroom. Each yeah. kind needs different kinds of preparation. My mother cooked morels. Very simply, uh, but she would lightly cut them vertically, rinse them off, dry them, roll them in flour, but not too much flour, just a little bit, and then simply fry them in whatever uh, oil of your choice, butter, bacon grease, whatever, sure. and, and uh, get them a little bit crispy on the outside. I don't know if that's a recipe or not, but they're sure good. Oh, yeah. B- very simple to do that. My mouth's watering now. <laughs> um, okay, so last summer, at one point, I had... I don't know if this is the proper term, but I'll use it, a puffball. And it, it was probably seven inches in diameter. It was huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was so tempted to mess with that, but I didn't because I was scared. Yeah, the the puffballs, the ones that are that big and the ones that are pure white on the inside and on the outside uh, are edible, but they're not real flavorful. Really? Uh, I, I call them the tofu of the mushroom world. Okay. But, you know, you dip them in egg and milk and breadcrumbs and yeah, put some garlic in there. and they Put enough stuff good. on them and... Yeah, you know, cook them with something that they do absorb. You put them in with some field mushrooms or whatever, and they'll absorb some of the flavor. Yeah. Well, my dad said if you took a boot and put enough salt and pepper on it and fried it, it'd probably taste all right. There you go. Um, <laughs> but... Anyway, okay, so now let's let's talk about another thing that I've heard over the years. That some of them have qualities that are, how would you call it, um, healing or medicinal properties, right? That's a very popular thing right now. There's a lot of uh, uh, 
people make a lot of claims. There's a lot of uh, anecdotal incidences of mushrooms being quite medicinal. There hasn't been a lot of really good science. Uh, but, track, but you know, if now. anyone would know about this, it would seem to me that it'd be Walt Sturgeon. So, it, it would give us a few examples. Like this particular mushroom, by name, is supposed to be excellent for this or that. Well, we could start with uh, one called. It's an Asian name, Rishi, and it's a species of Ganoderma, which is a mushroom that grows on wood. And there are several species that get lumped into that name. Okay. And they're supposed to be really good for your immune system. Uh, many of these mushrooms, another one being chaga, which is a... Big, I've heard of that. looks like a hunk of coal. <laughs> or mm. It doesn't look very good. Anyhow, uh, people make tea. They don't eat them. And uh, I've had anecdotal stories of people that had uh, uh, cancer and nothing was working in the medical field. Went on, a, you know, tea, tea, tea all the time with all these mushrooms and the cancer went away. Wow. Now that's an anecdote. And would it work for you? Would it work for me? I don't know. You know and, and there are people that are, there are books about this, and I am not an, I am not an authority on what we call myco-medicinals. I'm going to ask you an embarrassing question. Uh-oh. Anecdote. Well, you know, I, what does that word mean to you? It means that it, it's a, it is a story that is probably true, but that it does not have, uh, it's not evidence that it's going to work beyond that one story. Okay. It's not scientifically backed up. doesn't mean that it might not be at some time, but right now. Well, uh, have, okay, I get it now. So are there any ailments that mushrooms they have discovered? Indeed, there is evidence that they can help. There's evidence, but mostly it's, it's immune, immune system enhancement. Okay. Uh, but, but as far as specific mushrooms and specific cures for specific problems, uh, you'll find people that will tell you they have them and they use them. Uh, but, but I don't know that the, the pharmacists, Big Pharmacy hasn't gotten a hold of them yet. So I don't know that they've been scientifically uh, studied. Now, um, let's see. Sometimes there's a popularity of hallucinogens, right? Yeah, right. And uh, it's never me meant a darn thing to me because I always like to know where I am, what I'm doing, and so on and so forth. So sure. to be... Uh, spaced out in some fashion never has appealed to me. Of course, you can do that from drinking too, alcohol. Well, that is a whole different thing. But yes, yes. yeah. Um, yeah. The the current thing with uh, the psychedelics, if you will, is that they're finding that uh, they are doing studies that it's very helpful for people with uh, depression, mm -hmm. suicidal people, people that are really down and out, people that are. Uh, maybe dying because they've got a real disease and they're totally depressed. Uh, yeah. uh, psychedelics, including mushrooms, uh, help to change their perspective on uh, uh, just alters their perception. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that it's not real. It's, it turns it into looking at things after the event. You kind of say, like, "Oh, okay, this is what it is. I got to live live for today." So. Okay, so say I had a box of mushrooms in front of me. And they would be probably growing out of um, a couple inches of soil, right? Okay. 
Um, now, I might point to this one and call it one thing, and you would call it something entirely different. You know, like... There's, Common names? Yep. Yeah, yeah. There's a mushroom called a beefsteak mushroom. I've heard of it. Well, there's, unfortunately, uh, there. if you go to a book and look up a beefsteak mushroom, you're going to find this mushroom that looks like a piece of steak. It's red and grows on the shelf like on the side of a log. Huh. But if you go to northern Ohio or Michigan and ask about beef snakes, you're going to get a false morel, which is a totally different mushroom entirely, and one of which is, is, is very poisonous. Wow. But, uh, uh, so you get the common names. Uh, that's why, unfortunately, or I don't mind them, but people get turned off by uh, scientific names because some of them are tongue twisters and they're hard to remember. But uh, uh, supposedly, at least the idea of those names, if you could go to China and spit out that name and they would know what mushroom you were talking about in the same way all over the world. So that's the, that's the advantage of a scientific name. A common name, um, and you, know, you may have five, six, seven different common names for the same mushroom, as you kind of mentioned there. Now, speaking about around the world, um, ha have you had the opportunity to travel internationally much? Not much. I've okay. done a little travel, but not during the mushroom season. Uh, okay. Most of my mushrooming is, almost all of it has been in North America, Canada, and well, all of the States. still, probably with your interest, you, you are aware that there are mushrooms that are existent elsewhere that aren't here. That's right. And vice versa. Correct. Um, wh why is that? Well, they... Uh, one reason, at least in my thinking, is that the spores don't travel very far. I mean, they don't go across the ocean, for example, and be viable. Now, that may not be true all the time, but pretty much true. And uh, we have mushrooms that look like the mushrooms in Europe, and it's caused a lot of problems because we scientists said, oh, that's such and such, and they called all our American mushrooms the same as those in Europe. <laughs> well, now we're looking at the DNA, they're finding out that maybe at one time they were the same, but I'm talking before the continents split apart, and then eventually they become, they don't mate, they're not friendly to each other anymore, they're a different species. I so. just found my, the, my statement here about that teaspoon. I just, uh, it oh. says a single teaspoon of topsoil contains 120,000 fungi. <laughs> They're all over the place. Yeah. Sure. I'm well, sorry. I tell people every breath you take, you're breathing in spores. Well, you know, here we are in this COVID uh, coronavirus element, and, um, you know, we're so, <sighs> we're doing everything we can to try to prevent that. But, you know, you hear there was a, one of the NBC uh, doctors who is a consultant for NBC on this topic has, not, has now caught it himself. Right. And he says he's done everything that you're supposed to do. The only way it could have entered him, he thinks, is his eyes. Hmm. And, uh, well, anyway, we're a little off the track here. Um Okay, so when, when, you know, how long ago do you think, well, there's an expression here, who might have the father of fungi be? 
Uh, you're talking about the evolution? The, the history? The, the, the history, yes. The supposedly, and I don't know quite how this works, because fungi need need nutrients coming from, they don't make their own food, so they got to get it elsewhere. Yeah. And But the, it's claimed that that's when the first uh, plants migrated from the ocean to land, that the fungi were there ready to greet them. More likely, they came out simultaneously, in my opinion, but okay. So they're, they're, they're ancient, very ancient. There are very few fossil fungi, because they just don't keep very well. No. And, but that, that's the thinking, that they were very, very, very old. Um, are, is there fungi in desert? Yes. Okay. And I might mention, uh, I didn't talk about this, but we talked about that underground network uh, of fungi, and they discovered several years ago in Michigan and then scooped out in Oregon that the actual largest living organism on planet Earth is a lowly little mushroom that you could put in the frying pan because the underground part of that mushroom is enormous. And I tell people when you're walking in the forest, you're walking on top of fungi every step you take. Hmm. Uh, quite large. Um, would you, are they a living thing? Yes. Okay. They're living, and the, the reason they know they're they picked a mushroom on one end of the woods. Mushrooms are, as I mentioned, are sexual. So they have DNA, and they have, uh, you and I are human beings. We have, we could be identified as human beings, but we have differences in our DNA. Sure. Well, that's the same way with mushrooms, except for this great big one. I mean, they're, they're all this big, but they're sexual, so the DNA of a mushroom here is different than the one there. Well, the one in Michigan and then in Oregon, they picked on one end of the woods, went clear to the other end of the woods, and the DNA was exactly the same. In other words, it's a clone, and just huge, huge, huge organism, bigger than any other living organism. So, you know, I, I think of, um, okay, what, what are some of the principal components that are, well, you know, so you, you buy uh, vitamin pills, right? Right. And it says it's got riboflavin, and it's got uh, vitamins and so so much percentage of your daily requirement and so on. So mushrooms, they have a lot of these components, right? They have some of the same components. They have trace minerals. And again, a lot of that depends on where you pick them. Uh, if the soil is rich in some nutrient like iron or whatever, you're going to have a lot of iron in your mushroom. Same way if it picks up the weed killer, only it's a good thing with a little bit of iron. Uh, mushrooms can, uh, they can just be whatever they, wherever they are, they pick up what is around them. Did I answer your question? Well, yeah, I think, but I, I mean, I've got a general statement that I found somewhere. Uh, it says mushrooms are rich in the B vitamins. Okay, they're not a, they're not a protein substance. Uh, yeah, they do have vitamins. Riboflavin, uh, ni niacin, um, pan panthothenic <laughs> acid. Sounds right to me. I'm not a real authority on the okay. contents of a mushroom's nutrition or medical. The combination of those, it says, helps protect heart health. Niacin is good for the digestive system, for maintaining healthy skin also. And then uh, the last one, pantothenic acid, is good for the nervous system and helps the body make the hormones it needs, and so on. But I mean, 
that's that's uh, but they're using the generic term mushroom right right and, and of course each brand or uh, each distinguished uh, name of a mushroom they have different makeups that's right the, the bottom line is uh, very simplified is that they're they're nutritionally good for you they're low in calories they're fairly high in fiber uh, of course if you cook them up in butter the fiber or the mm-hmm. <laughs> the calories go up a little bit and the fat goes up but uh, basically the mushroom itself is is good for you well I all I know is I like them and um, I hope they are good for me because, <laughs> you know, who wants to eat something that isn't, um, even though they taste good? I guess a lot of people, because when you think of some of the fast foods we have, Scott, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, we're eating some things that maybe aren't so good for uh, us, but yeah. just because they taste good. The foodies that we are. Yeah. Well, let's see here. What, what, what should we add that we've failed to do here? Um, so... Forgive me. Well, how old are you? How old am I? Sixty-nine. Okay, I got a year on you. Um, what 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 do you want to do with the rest of your life? <laughs> Hunt mushrooms. Okay. Uh, I do a lot of I do a lot of uh, mushroom photography, yeah. and that's when I'm in my element. I'm oh, in the you woods. know, that's a whole other thing. I'm told that your photographs are spectacular. I forgot yeah. to bring that out. So you you look at them at, from like the underside and the top side and all that sort of thing, and then the the um, the quality of the photography is um, again I'm told stellar. Well, I try. <laughs> uh, my, my my photography is mostly uh, field guide photography. In other words, I'll find some pretty mushrooms that are typical of that species, and I will I will dislodge one or two of them so that you can see the underside uh, and, and the top mm-hmm. and all the parts of the mushroom, but try to do it in a eye-pleasing way. Now, the true artists are going to not, they're, they're not going to pick anything. They're going to just get it where it is, and if I find a beautiful cluster of mushrooms, I do that first. <laughs> I try to get a nice uh, aesthetic picture, followed by taxonomic picture. Uh, in so today's age, of course, we have to ask, what are you shooting with? Uh, I have a Canon G12. Okay, so that's uh, um, digital. Or um, what am yeah. I trying to say? I don't know. Yeah. You can do it. Well, you people take good pictures with their cell phones. I don't, but yeah. I have trouble working a cell phone, let alone taking pictures with it. So. In another lifetime, I was a photographer for a newspaper, ah, and okay. um, uh, so I'm I'm always asking about cameras, but. Um, I, you know, the old days of film have disappeared with the, the tremendous quality of gigabytes of these cameras. Right. So, anyway, uh, but I'm still a film guy. Um, okay, well, if you were going to recommend, okay, so here's, um, let me tell my wife um, that you insist that she, <laughs> that she try... Uh, this mushroom and that mushroom. What were you, were your first two choices be to someone who claims they don't think they like mushrooms? Well, of course, if you can find some morels, that would be a good starting point. Okay. Now, morels have a funny look to them. They do. They, they have like a sponge. Yeah. That's what I, we called them as a child. They were sponge mushrooms. Um, the common name most people use is morel. But if you go to Amish country, you'll hear Merkel. If you go down to Kentucky, they go out looking for land fish. 
You go to West Virginia, they call them molly moochers. A lot of common names. Very popular mushroom. Hmm. Back to your wife. Tell her to try oyster mushrooms from the store. Okay. Or to find them if you can, but get them nice and fresh. Those are those are that's my wife's favorite. Our stores offer a wide variety of them, so we're fortunate. Um, now, what, what's this skinny thing? It, it doesn't have a nice dome, but it's all wrinkly down. You know what I mean? Um, Not exactly. Okay. Well, this is radio, so it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> what? Um, why do you think you've won all these awards? Oh, I don't know that I've won that many awards. Yeah, you have. Well, I, you know, again, I've you've won been well recognized. For my photography, I've won some awards, and I've got an award right in front of me from the Friends of the Poison Center, because <laughs> I, I do consulting for poison centers, uh, peek with a child or a dog, eats a mushroom, and yeah. so forth and so on. And if they have intact mushrooms around of the same kind, uh, they'll email me a picture, and I'll. most of the time it turns out to be no big deal, but I've had, I've had to tell a a woman that her husband just ate four of the worst mushrooms he could have possibly eaten. Mm-hmm. He survived, but liver damage probably. Mm. So anyhow, uh, I've gotten awards for that sort of thing, but mostly I'm just a, just out there taking pictures of mushrooms. And let's see here. Has this been, um, how do I want to, can you make a living doing that? Uh, there are people that make a living doing mushrooms, uh, but not very many. Yeah. And in fact, there aren't many professional mycologists anymore that, do, that know what a mushroom looks like. They know what the DNA looks like, but they don't know what the actual mushroom looks like in the field. But uh, there are some people that uh, uh, charge people to take them out in the woods and so forth and so on. Well, um, are there? do you have mushrooms in East Palestine? Sure. Yeah? Mushroom, mushrooms everywhere. Okay. <laughs> I see mushrooms in the headlights of the car when I'm driving. I mean, they're, they're just out there if you're paying attention. Huh. Well, listen, Walt, um, I, I know they're going to send me a copy of the book, and I'll, I'll enjoy looking it over. When you next get down this way, uh, let us know in advance, and we'll have you back in. Okay, that sounds good. But uh, mushrooms, as I said, mus- mushrooms are a favorite of mine. How about you, Scott? Do you like mushrooms? Uh, not particularly, but uh, every once in a while I like them on a pizza, and sometimes they don't like me. Oh. Which I wish I, that weren't the case, my, but it my, happens. My first choice would be pepperoni with mushrooms in, in a pizza. But I like them in all manner of things. And, and we have a very fine place called Miller's Poultry, and okay. um, they make the most marvelous chicken stuff. Anyway, they have, um, you know, fried, deep-fried mushrooms. And it's got a coating on them, but, man, they're good. <laughs> and and, and uh, we could go on and on and start listing all of our restaurants that offer these things. And, and uh, it's kind of fun. Our restaurant's about to get back into business. Our uh, mushroom club was going to be in your neighborhood this summer, but we've had to cancel. We're going to have a big event uh, not too far from Lake Hope State Park, which is not too far from Athens. Yeah, and um, um, the the head of the Lake Hope o- operation is uh, about four four houses away from me. Okay, Eric, okay. and he runs uh, the dining rooms and everything out there. So uh, at the lodge. 
So, listen, um, thanks for joining us. Thanks for giving us some information about mycology. And um, like I said, if you get in our neighborhood, let's hook up again. Sounds good to me. Okay, Walt. Thanks Stewart. for having me. Thank you. It. Thank you, Walt. All righty. All right. Um, let's see here, Scott. What to, What else do we have? We've got... Um, oh, we've got a word here about... Um, the county uh, facility out there, it used to be um, the county home. But uh, Athens County Job and Family Services, um, the, the uh, dog shelter, um, you know, there's buildings that are clustered there just before you get to Chansey. Uh, at least an hour ago, they were without power. And, and it meant that they did not have phone service, and of course, didn't have power, so didn't have computers. That may have been fixed since, but they wanted us to get the word out, although I just had gotten walled on the air, um, that, um, you know, that's what was going on out there, but it may be fixed by now. So just FYI. Right? Yeah, and food boxes, uh, they let us know, are still uh, available to be dropped off there. Uh, they are still available there at the location itself to drop off those food boxes and pick them up, too. They just cannot answer emails or phone calls, like you said. Um, do, you, do you save these things here? Um, I, I just look at them. You mean the musings? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I leave just, them there. Okay, but I mean, are some of the former ones here? No. Oh, bummer. <laughs> um, Which okay. one would you like? Well, we we well, can recreate them. Um, our FM host each morning, <laughs> the Dave Machine, um, has started a new hobby, new effort. And he just writes a simple little phrase and puts it in several key places around the building. And he's been doing this for a week or two now, and they are just a hoot. <laughs> for example, I glance up here and it says, what was the best thing before sliced bread? Just having bread. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's the best thing since sliced oh, bread. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the best thing before sliced bread? Yeah. You know, it's just something that makes you think a little bit about a phrase or something you've heard or whatever. Yeah, I call them the musings of the machine. Well, I'm mused. <laughs> um, <laughs> folks, next in sound is CBS News. Uh, tomorrow, Friday, we'll wrap up the week, and uh, it's been a busy week. So uh, take care out there, please, and we'll see you tomorrow. Begin. Now, go. You have to turn up the volume there. Oh, that there makes you go. This is CBS News on the Hour, sponsored by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. I'm Deborah Rodriguez in upstate New York. A government scientist transferred after he refused to get behind President Trump's push to use hydroxychlorine as a 
hydroxychloroquine as a coronavirus treatment, begins testifying before lawmakers in the House this hour. Dr. Rick Bright spoke to CBS's Nora O'Donnell in an exclusive interview for 60 Minutes. I am frustrated at a lack of urgency to get a head start on developing life-saving tools for Americans. I'm frustrated at our inability to be heard as scientists. An additional 2.9 million Americans signed up for unemployment benefits last week. It makes a total of more than 36.5 million over the past two months. CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger says it's adding to the possibility of a long, slow comeback. Economists are worried that as people are actually staying at home and saving money, that it could take longer to start that economy up again. Wisconsin State Supreme Court has struck down Governor Evers' extension of stay-at-home orders. Bars began opening up right away. It's been kind of boring sitting in my house. Uh, I love my fiancé, but there's only so much we can handle of each other without having interactions from other people. 77-year-old Carl Mankey's barber shop in Owasso, Michigan has been shut down. His license cut after he ignored his state's restrictions. I've got a living to make. They try to take my living away from me. They take my, my craft away from me. That's vindictive. President Trump wants prison time for officials who handled the Russia investigation and Michael Flynn's prosecution. The president says his former national security advisor was targeted by FBI and Justice Department officials bent on taking him down. People should be going to jail for this stuff. Without offering evidence, he told Fox Business what he now calls Obamagate may have been directed by his predecessor. The president knew everything. Michael Flynn pleaded guilty to lying to FBI agents and the judge in the case appears deeply skeptical of the Justice Department's recent move to dismiss the charge. Maybe the judge doesn't like me very much. Stephen Portnoy, CBS News, Washington. How much is enough to spread the coronavirus? A new study in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences finds droplets from simply talking in a closed room can be enough to infect other people. Thousands of droplets from talking loudly can linger for up to 14 minutes before they disappear. The Dow is down 387 in early trading. This is CBS News. These are challenging times, and Rocket Mortgage is prepared to help. If you need mortgage assistance, contact their team 24-7 at rocketmortgage.com. Rocket Mortgage is with you. Country Stars at Home, sponsored by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Country singer Brett Young had to self-quarantine on his tour bus. The biggest struggle? Connecting to the Internet. We do have Wi-Fi on the bus, but it wasn't working where we were parked, so uh, that rules out binging on Netflix or any of the things that you probably would normally do. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Build your pina colada? Uh, Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up spills and messes quicker. And is two times more absorbent than the leading ordinary brand. So you can get back to getting caught in the rain. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. 
Meet a centenarian who kicked COVID right where it counts. 104-year-old Vivian Myers got COVID-19. I've accepted it, but I don't like it. And she just got out of the rehab unit at a Maryland nursing home after beating the virus. Caregivers applauded and saluted her. We walked her back to her old room. It felt so good. I really did. I think everybody was crying. Nurse Tara West calls Miss Vivian a success story who will continue to keep them on their toes. Steve Kathan, CBS News. A new report in the New England Journal of Medicine finds cats can infect each other with the coronavirus, but they may not have symptoms. Researchers at the University of Wisconsin studied six of them, three inoculated and three that were uninfected, put them in the same cage, all wound up with the virus, but none of them got sick. Humans have transmitted the virus to cats. Scientists say it doesn't work the other way around. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. Balance of nature, changing the world, one life at a time. The, the difference I, I notice with this is that I haven't even gotten the sniffle. Since I've been on, I haven't gotten the cold. <laughs> so somehow it has, um, you know, supplemented and complemented my immune response. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-2468-2468.